Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the episode five of the Hockey Collective Show. Nick Bowen's your co-host here alongside Tyler Mataraz. I'm pleased to be joined today by Nick Alberga, the Golden Muzzy. You may know him from Leafs Morning Take on the Nation Network. He also co-hosts the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast and writes on daily face-off fantasy. Nick, how we doing, bro? I'm fantastic. Yeah, I'm a man of many titles. And you know what, guys? We talked about Johnny Goodrow and that pickup for the Columbus Blue Jackets. But how about your pickup this offseason of Tyler Mataraz? I'm loving that. Hey, it's uh, he's still on a PTO. We're trying to figure <laughs> things out here for him. But, uh, you know, his mustache is looking pretty good, too. He might be chasing you for that uh, that handle soon. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do Movember this year, guys. I don't know. I just it's it's a it's a big commitment it's a big commitment to do the duster these days you got to do it nick just commit you're, you do it every year you're you're the golden muzzy you have to do yeah it. but but i don't know if you just saw like i had the muzzy going i was in new york for an nhl thing that i did i i, I had the muzzy on youtube great reviews but i don't know i just think it's hard to maintain like you've really got to be after it, it where i just want to keep continuing to grow the beard out you know I can I respect it. that. I can respect that. But yeah, we've got uh, Nick here today. We're going to chat about a couple different teams around the league, get his expertise. Obviously, does a lot with the Leafs, but he's all around the league. Talk a little bit of fantasy and go from there. So, fellas, one team I want to touch on off the hop here, the Buffalo Sabres. They've been fun to watch. They're playing really good hockey right now. We're just about a year out from the Jack Eichel trade. So right on the spot here, Nick, what do you think of the Jack Eichel trade looking back a year ago to now? Well, firstly, I should say I was never a big fan of Jack Eichel with the Buffalo Sabres. In fact, I think they were better off with that Jack, Jack Eichel. And and now you look at what they've done with Alex Tuck in that lineup. I think the amazing part about this start, guys, is like Jack Quinn, who many said was a dark horse to win the Calder Trophy this season, has pretty much done nothing offensively. In fact, he was a health bomb, I believe, one of the games too. Rasmus Dalin, I think, has been the big story. Granted, again, it's so important to preface it's early. Erasmus Delina start the season with a goal in, in five consecutive games. Pretty damn impressive. And Ty, the biggest thing that I'm stunned at for Buffalo is not so much the start, but the goaltending they're getting right now. Yeah, seriously. Eric Comrie's been good. Craig Anderson's been good. His pads look great. Supposedly his kid designed them. Um, and when you're Rasmus Dahlin and you got pucks going off the opponents and you're scoring in five straight games, you know things are going well. So uh, the Sabres are fun to watch. But Nick, like, can they keep this up? This start, they're four and one. The goaltending from Comrie and Anderson, like the mix between Tuck and Darlene on the back end and up front, like everything's working early on. Don Granado's got the lines going, but like, can they keep this up and actually surprise us and potentially be a wild card team this year? I'm a betting man and I'm going to fade the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I, I think, don't get me wrong, it's a really good start. I, I think it's more so specifically the division they play in. Like even Boston, for example, I know they've had a hot start, but they're really, really banged up. They're going to get healthier. You know, not to say that teams aren't their best in October is an understatement, to be quite honest. And I just think you look internally at that division. I think there's a lot of teams better than the Buffalo Sabres. So while it's impressive that they've had this really, really strong start, I just don't think it's sustainable. And I just talked about the goaltending and referenced it. Craig Anderson's like a billion years old. Eric Comrie. I know the analytics have checked out and people are waiting for him to get his opportunity. It, it's been a good start. But from a shot suppression standpoint, I just don't know how long term that looks going to be for the Buffalo Sabres. I think they're going to start surrendering goals here at the very least. Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. And they've got a young decor, right? So going to be lots of shots against. You get into some back-to-backs when you're playing Toronto, Tampa, Florida. 
it's a tough division for them. I don't know how long they're going to last. Um, also of note, Skinner, Ocposo, neither of them have scored yet. Ocposo yeah. obviously got the C. So I'm going to see when the veterans come to town there in Buffalo. But uh, a team that's kind of on the opposite end of things. Nick, curious your thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks. Abysmal start, to say the least. What's going on out there? Yeah, it's a train wreck, right? And it's just so amazing how quickly things and a mindset and a narrative can change in like two weeks where Canucks Nation was so fired up. JT Miller gets the extension. And then two weeks later, I think Gabby Boudreaux, uh, who I love, who is one of the best people in hockey, an amazing dude, I think his job's on the line right now, which is crazy to think. And then on top of that, it's like the Jim Benning era all over again. Like, you know, theoretically and not even hypothetically, like what have they done? Differently. I mean, they've signed guys to gross contracts, Ilya Mikheyev being among them. I can't believe they paid him that type of money. Um, I think they have something special in Kuzmenko. I think it's going to be, you know, a bit of turbulence along the way. But I just think you look at the way that, <clears throat> excuse me, the Vancouver Canucks are are created right now. I just, I don't know how they're going to work themselves out of this. So they're preaching the whole, you know, rebuild word, but I think they're up against it, not to mention the money they have tied up, right? Yeah, and I think their weakness going into the year, we can all agree, was their defense, and yeah. it's been atrocious in front of Thatcher Demko. I feel bad for that guy right now, and you saw it in the loss again on Saturday night. But, Nick, first of all, do you think it was Travis Green who threw those threw those two jerseys on the ice last night, or what do you think? Yeah, it's a restless fan base. Like, I had the opportunity last year to go out to Vancouver, and I know they lost a game, and the Boo Birds were out. Like, you know, covering the Leafs is a special entity in itself, but certainly in Canada in general, the Montreal Canadiens come to mind. There is pressure to win and succeed in that market, and they're burning, right? You even like to date back to the Stanley Cup final where there was an actual riot outside the building, right? Anything's possible in Vancouver. Yeah, but like, I still like the Canucks, yeah. but I think the worst part is, and you had some good words for Bruce Boudreau. We've met him. Greatest yeah. guy ever. Um, but when we started the year, if you would have asked me who's the first coach to go, I probably would have guessed Lindy Ruff. Like, I, I didn't yeah. really trust the Devils this year. I still think it's rough. But do you think now, after this bad start, it could actually be Boudreaux? Yeah, I think they have no choice. And then on top of that, the way they handled that sort of extension, non-extension in the offseason, I just never really got the sense, the feeling that Vancouver was interested in having Gabby Boudreaux as their long-term coach. And now... You know, there always has to be a scapegoat, not that it's Gabby's fault. Like this team has just been horrendous. And to me, most times in the NHL, the coach gets canned when the GM should get canned because you can't fire a GM like every two months. There's more stability in that job. And to me, there was a glaring hole entering the season for Vancouver. Now you take Quinn Hughes out of the lineup. He's a bit banged up and they're in deep trouble when it comes to defensive system, right? Uh, I think Thatcher Demko is an all-world goalie. I wouldn't be shocked if he wins a Vezina trophy one day, but they have absolutely nothing in front of him and they just can't stop surrendering goals. So I think you start with that conversation there and I think they're going to try to find somebody else and use Gabby as a scapegoat here, sadly. Yeah, uh, completely agreed on Demko. And I think the other thing there is Horvat, right? Their captain's coming yeah. up on needing a contract here. That's going to be a super interesting situation if they decide to kind of press the rebuild, retool button there in Vancouver. Um, another Canadian team, a little bit uh, more positive of a start, less expectation, more youth. The Montreal Canadiens, Arbor Jacka has been in the news. Slavkovsky's been in the news. Suzuki with a highlight, real penalty shot goal the other night. Nick, what's uh, what's your take on Le Habitant so far? I'm not surprised again, very, very early, but I expected them to be a competitive bunch. I mean, this is the same type of narrative and story that we saw last year in a Martin St. Louis, and it's kept up. Um, I think ultimately they will break down as the season goes on, but I think they'll give teams in that division specifically a run for their money. Like I can't go to the extent that 
to say Montreal is going to make the Stanley Cup playoffs, but I think at the very least they'll be involved in that conversation till like the midway point of the season. I do expect them to be a bottom 10 team in the league. They're just not talented enough. And I think the main goal and purpose there is to sort of build their assets up. Guys like Sean Monaghan, maybe Mike Hoffman, maybe Brendan Gallagher, and parlay those guys into picks and futures. Because I think there's there's no question Montreal is going to be a good team. I already think they're a decent team, but their trajectory is going up and up and up. And I think if they can continue to to build that capital, they're going to be a scary team in a couple of years from now. So it's been a good start. But again, this happens a lot in October where teams sneak up on you a bit. Yeah, it's a good point. Kent Hughes could be a really busy guy come trade deadline and obviously build some assets for the future. And to me, guys, the most exciting team so far early on to watch in the NHL. It's tough to turn off Habs games when they're scoring like five plus goals right now with all the young talent. But let's stay in the Eastern Conference, Nick. How about Pittsburgh, uh, an NHL best goal differential? It looks like they've turned back the clock a little. Uh, Josh Archibald is scoring goals. Where did that come from? Tristan Jari looks great. Um, did you expect this from Pittsburgh early on? Because I don't think I did. And can they keep it up going the rest of the year? So as a Ricard Raquel fantasy owner, I just hate talking about Pittsburgh right now because the dude just does nothing, man. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. You're playing with Crosby. You're playing with Gensel and you're just doing nothing. At least I'm hitting the shot prop these days. So he's nice. He loves shooting the puck at the very least. Um, I think they're a team that continues to defy logic, although I would say Father Time is undefeated. Um, Mark my words, there will be a moment in, say, the next five to six, five to seven years, we'll say, where they're pretty much Chicago, they're pretty much the Los Angeles Kings, where they have to go into a rebuild. I hope they don't get to the level where the Hawks are at, certainly, and we don't know the prospects to come. But I think, you know, not that that they're going to bottom out, but I think as long as they have that nucleus, they're going to be a competitive team. But certainly in the early going, they've exceeded expectations. But I don't know for you, like, and people feel differently about Pittsburgh. A lot of people don't have them making the playoffs. I circle them as a team that's going to make the playoffs, and it's more so what they do in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Because you think Sidney Crosby is going to let the Pittsburgh Penguins not make the postseason? I just don't buy that. No, I completely agree. I think every year you got to pencil them into the playoffs until yeah. they prove otherwise. I think Tristan Jari is the question for me. I don't personally love him a lot as yeah. a number one. I know we got into that a little bit last week, but um, contract year, Bowens, contract year, contract year. So we're going to see right. how that plays out. Um, another interesting one in that division, though, Philly. I mean, literally nobody expected this. They're four and one. We're going to keep prefacing it with it's early, but is this the torts effect? Is this sustainable? What are you seeing in Philly, Nick? It's a bit of both. Like I, we all expect this at the very least, they'd be much better defensively. Like they were a zoo last year. If you own Carter Hart or anybody else on that Flyers team, it was just every game, six, seven goals. And I thought Carter Hart was actually pretty decent last year. They just, nobody in front of him. Um, I think they've made some improvements and I think the coaching style is better suited for the players they have on that roster. We'll see if Sean Couturier can somehow find a way to come back this season. That would be a big time boost. But at the very least, I expect him to be competitive because that's sort of the MO. That's what we've seen from John Tortorella's time. Wherever he's coached in this league, they're going to be difficult to play against. And that's pretty much been the story. And I think on top of that, they've had two guys really, really elevate their play that we've seen earlier on in their career, among Carter Hart, of course. Uh, one's Travis Konechny and the other the other's Ivan Provorov. I, I think those guys are potential difference makers, and they have been so far. And that's why I think Philadelphia... Um, is off to that type of start. Uh, is it sustainable? Uh, unlikely. I think you look at that Metro division. I think there's some really, really good teams in that division. But I think you got to jump on the Flyers right now if you're a betting uh, individual like to to stake some bets because they're they're really, really hitting and they're finding some value too. Yeah, connecting has been good up front. How about Joel Farabee coming off a yeah. three-point game after a rough start as well? Like if he finds it 
maybe they keep surprising us at least till Christmas time, but I do think they'll fall off as well. Let's go to the West, Nick. Let's head to the Central, and let's go to the bottom of it. A lot of people are worried about Minnesota. I don't think I am as much, but what do you think? Because Gustafson wasn't good when he came in. Flurry wasn't good in those first couple starts. Is goaltending the problem? Is it something else? I don't know. I'm not worried. Are you? Um, I think I'm like... I'm like three shots in a patio worried, if that makes sense. Like yep. I, I'm definitely getting after it a bit, letting letting it rip a bit, but like I'm not at the point where I'm blackout. Um I, I just before, think eh? oh, definitely, <laughs> even last night. Um, no, I, I just I, I think you look at this Minnesota team, uh, they're in cap hell. I still don't understand the dual buyouts, like to have that much money flatten the cap because you bought two guys out who probably, you know, especially Ryan Suter could have still helped the team. Uh, you know, as long as Kaprizov's there, I think they're going to be okay. I think clearly they need a bit more out of, you know, a guy like Marco Rossi. Matt Boldy's had a really, really good start. Kale Addison's a great offensive defenseman. Defensively speaking, he's got some issues that he has to rectify. You know, Dumba's in a contract year. Spurgeon's a good player. Like, they got some good pieces. And, you know, in fact, that was one of the bigger conversations when talking fantasy in the offseason, where to slot the Minnesota Wild. You know, my co-host Pete Jensen had them potentially missing the Stanley Cup playoffs. I can't get to that level. I'm going to chalk it up to a slow start, and I think they're going to battle back, and I think it's a really good buy-low time on guys like Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, I'd agree on the buy-low sentiment there. I ended up having them in the wild card slot. I think mm-hmm. the one thing that worries me is that division, right? St. Louis, Nashville, Colorado, they're up against some good teams. Maybe Winnipeg can take a step from last year. So it's a tough division, but I think all the talent's there, uh, but completely agreed on the dual buyouts. Just a, a wild move, almost $15 million Unintended. two seasons. Just yeah. wild, just yeah. wild. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what about the Sharks there? I mean, Tyler, maybe you want to kick us off with them. You kind of got them in that draft lottery conversation, and I mean, they seem to be there so far. Yeah, I wasn't over ex- overly excited about the San Jose Sharks this year. I didn't think they'd be this bad where like they started off and were just losing every single game and couldn't score goals at all. But Nick, when you look ahead to next year's draft lottery, obviously Connor Bedard is the guy. Yeah, And I do think if the Sharks win the draft lottery – that would be the perfect place for him because they'd have the quickest, I think, path to making the playoffs once again and having that rebuild kind of start with Connor Bedard, with William Eklund, with Bordalo up front. The yeah. Sharks could be a really good team. What do you think? Like, if the Sharks end up finishing dead last and getting him, do you think that you agree that they might be that team that has the, the quickest jump to being good again? They have potential. I mean, I can't go that far yet, and we'll see how the things, you know, everything stacks from a lottery standpoint. But they got some good pieces. Like I still don't know about Logan Couture and guys like that. Um, you know, I was even talking to my cousin the other day and he was talking about how San Jose really missed the mark with the Eric Carlson trade. But I think they've been the the body of longevity for like the last two decades in this league where it's like every year San Jose is in the Stanley cup playoffs. I think in fact, they had like 20 years in a row that they made it or something like crazy like that. So when you do something and you're that successful, look at Detroit, eventually you're going to hit a wall and that, and that's what's happened with San Jose. But to that point, I think if there's an ability to turn things around quickly, it's in this modern day age of of the salary cap and all that. So while they're really, really bad this year, it's it's a good year, as, as Ty referenced, to be really, really bad if you're San Jose. Yeah, like you said, they've been in the playoff hunt for forever. I mean, the betterment of Marlowe Thornton's careers there, right? They're in every year. Yeah. I mean, also, fellas, Adam Fantilli, we'll, we'll pump his tires a little bit later in go. the episode, Tyler, but... 
you don't even have to get number one overall this year. Maybe like there's some players out there to be had and uh, San Jose could definitely turn it around. But Nick, we're going to uh, shift gears a little bit here to your bread and butter. Um, let's talk about the Leafs. What uh, what did you see last night in a, a bit of a shit show there against Winnipeg? A bit of a shit show is an understatement. I just love how they go from Thursday where Dallas is running around and now you insert Simmons and and Clifford and it's a different type ball game. Uh, I think they handled themselves accordingly. Um, the Leafs, it's just a tough sell for me. I, I truthfully think it's the same team. I'm not going to call them frauds. I've called teams frauds before. I called the Florida Panthers frauds last year, which yeah. they turned out to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I won't get to that level with the Leafs just yet, but I do think they have the same composition, same nucleus. Like, I don't know how you lose to Arizona, guys. Like, I, I will never get over that. I know it's one of 82, and the analytics nerds were all after me on social media, but you lost to Arizona. Like, Nick Ritchie's their best player, and they were missing their best player in Jacob Chikrin, right? Like, it's it really, really is scary. And I think it's just troublesome for a team that thinks they're going to win the Stanley Cup, that thinks this is a year to finally win a playoff series for the first time in nearly two decades, and you're questioning what team you're going to get on any given night, and that includes the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I think on paper, clearly they're a good team. I would not be shocked if they win the Atlantic Division. I wouldn't be shocked if they win the President's Trophy. Like I think they're that good, but they're a really, really good regular season team. We just talked about San Jose. How many great years were the Sharks just ahead of everybody in the NHL and the President's Trophy? Gets to the Stanley Cup playoffs, different team, different game, right? So while it was an impressive win against Winnipeg, it is one of, one of 82. And again, they're another team that I just chalk up. They're going to be in the playoffs. I want to see what they do in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm with you, Nick. I think they're frauds too. And <laughs> what do they do in the playoffs? They're most likely going to get knocked out in the first round again. Yeah. And it's crazy to think with this core, with the same GM, with the same coach, I, I think it's going to be the likely scenario again for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But let's talk about their best player, the guy that's won the Rocket Richard, yeah. uh, Austin Matthews. Six games in, we've never seen an Austin Matthews rip into the net yet. His one goal, he barely deflected. I barely even think that he even got a piece of that shot, but he's racking up assists. He's making yeah. plays out there. Do you think something's up with Matthews right now? And why hasn't he been scoring so much? Oh, he's definitely banged up. Uh, you guys... I'm sure watched the game on Thursday. Like he fell into the boards really, really weird. Then he was favoring it on Saturday. And I, I don't really look much into it. I think the statistics have shown, especially the last couple of years, that he's a notorious slow starter. I believe he had one in his first six last year. And then he ripped in like 59 and 66. Like he's insane. And he will find that groove. Like there will be that moment in the next couple of games where Matthews finds his shot. And we've seen when he gets that confidence, it's game over for the opposition. So I think from the least perspective, uh, that's the least of their concerns and worries. They know Austin Matthews is going to rip it up. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure this season. He knows next summer is a pivotal one for himself and sort of his future. And only time will tell on that front. But I would not be worried about Austin Matthews from a fantasy standpoint or certainly real life. I think he's going to be okay here. Yeah, and I think one guy I've been impressed with so far this year is John Tavares. I mean, even yeah. his goal against Winnipeg last night, that's something he wasn't burying last year, whether it was health or otherwise. That's yeah. a, a vintage John Tavares play. Um, how impressed have you been with him so far? And kind of gut reaction question for both of you here. Is John Tavares going to be a Hall of Famer? Ooh. He's sitting at 900 career points at age 32. That's very impressive, but... To me, he's like Rick and Ash. I don't know. I just... Yeah. He's an exceptional player, all-star. Um, I think, obviously, that would change if he wins a Stanley Cup in Toronto. But, again, you can make that conversation for a lot of players. 
Um, as for his play, like I think it's been really, really impressive. And the one thing that I always like to bring up with John Tavares is professionalism. You know, he can be on a 17 game slump. He can be on fire. It's going to be the same John Tavares. And, and that's why I think captain wise, he's a perfect captain in that market. I think he's a really, really good shill for Matthews and Marner. And I think Riley's a really, really good underrated leader in that locker room too. But I think JT just knows how to act accordingly. Like it just seems like nothing phases him. And you want to talk about guys who certainly knew and heard the criticisms and had a strong offseason. Look at Tavares. Like I think he looks a fraction faster. I think it's important to bring up. He's never been a guy who's been fleet of foot. I remember dating back to his days when he was an Oshawa general. I covered him in his half a season with the London Knights. Like he was never a guy that was going to beat you with his foot speed, but he was very calculated every step he took on the ice. And we're seeing that. I, I just think he's throughout his career and more specifically here with the Leafs, he's just going to be undervalued because A, he's the captain and B, the money he makes that people are just going to quantify it and compare it and contrast to that. But I, I think all in all, you look at his Maple Leafs career so far, I think he's been really, really steady and he's an absolute gamer. Like you want a full roster of John Tavares, I'll say that. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. As for the yeah. Hall of Fame kind of categorization there, if he finishes at age 36, yeah. 35, he's going to end up right around the Sedins. They both got in super easy there. So I think it's an interesting conversation. I'm with you on the Rick Nash boat. I like guys who win. I want guys who win in the Hall of Fame. But I think yeah. it's a really interesting point. Um, another guy you touched on there is Riley. You tweeted about him yesterday saying he's uh, the heart and soul of the Leafs. I completely agree. I will bang that drum till the day that the Leafs win. He should have been captain in Toronto. Yeah. What have you seen from Riley so far? And what do you expect? Yeah, so nobody talks about this, but like Morgan Riley's the guy that just goes about his business, right? Yeah. Like even the discount I felt he took where he could have went to the open market last year. He took less to play in Toronto. You can start pointing the finger at other guys who haven't taken less to play in this pressure cooker of a market. Uh, you know, how much heat has Riley faced throughout his career? He's been through the thick of things when it comes to playoff disappointments, and he continues to come back to the well and get better and better and better. Like, I just think he's so good on the ice, but it's more so his effect in that locker room, uh, what he does for the community, um, just his leadership value and core. Like, uh, he's just, again, I talked about John Tavares. You you would want a full team of Morgan Rallies. Like, that's how I think, how special I think he is and what he brings to that to that dressing room. I've been really, really impressed. Like, I, I think he's a good player, but he's not really a guy who's ever in the spotlight, and I think he deserves more of it, quite frankly. Yeah. For sure. He definitely flies under the radar, right? And yeah. nice to see him jump in there last night and drop the mitts. So uh, I don't know if I'm with you, Bowens, on yeah. maybe him getting the C back then, but he's a good leader on a team that obviously hasn't had much success come playoff time or any success come playoff time. Yeah. Uh, but Nick, how's working with Jay Rosehill so far? Pretty cool. A former Leaf, a former Flyer, like 350 plus pims in his uh, his career yeah. in the National Hockey League. How's that been? Yeah, me and Rosie have clicked since day one. In fact, he just booked a flight the other day to come visit me in Toronto. He's based out of nice. Alberta near Calgary. And so he's going to come down. You guys know my favorite establishment on King West, Two Cats. Rosie's already dialed in. I don't think Bowens in. knows yet. Bowens doesn't oh, know yet. Two Cats. You ever been to Two Cats, Bowens? I see it on your Instagram story every other it night. It is just a tremendous spot. Now they got 250 drinks, 9 to 11 on Friday, what? Saturday. And I keep telling them, I'm like, look, you know how much promotion and advertisement i do for you guys just give me a t-shirt they still haven't given me a t-shirt but i will get the job done on that front um as for jay he's obviously green like he's new into broadcasting but he's got the passion man like he even called me the other night he was so fired up like i just you know it's it's so great to work with somebody low maintenance and it's probably because he hasn't been in the industry and knows how to deal with different people just yet but like he is just he loves hockey loves loves following the leafs and uh it's been pretty pretty seamless so i i can't complain he's overall good dude like he just 
tells me some stories behind the scenes about days of Maple Leaf with the Philadelphia Flyers is his upbringing. It's, it's a unique perspective. And Ty, you know this, you guys know this, like talking to former players, like it's such a unique perspective. Me, even myself as a host, like I was never able to be in those skates at a professional level level in the NHL. I don't care if you're Jay Rosehill or Jason Allison or Kyle Wellwood or Matt Sundin, like it, you still play the national league. And that's why, um, you know, I like to, to work off him, so to speak. I like the Jason Allison uh, shout out, Nick, man. What a good player he was back in the day. Yeah. Um, let's wrap up on some fantasy though, Nick. Uh, mm-hmm. We're in a league together. Yeah. I'm in two. I know you're in more than two. What were you in like 20 four. the last time we talked? Yeah, you're in four now, which is a bit better. Um, my teams are doing all right so far. How are your teams doing? Uh, you're one of the best fantasy people to talk to in the business by far. And you got any players that you've taken that you're you're kind of relying on so far early in the season? I won't lie. I'm having a shit start, man. Okay. Like I, I, I can't even sugarcoat it. And the problem is I grab a lot of the same players on my rosters. You know me, I believe in guys. And um, I exercise a lot of patience. Granted, again, it's really, really early. Uh, even in that league that I'm with you, obviously, I have the success. Um, had a good year last year. A lot of my guys have had slow starts. And I think along those lines, I always seem to have those goalies who want to let in like six goals a game, even if they're absolute studs. So. Same. You know, for Damn example, go. yeah, I have I have I have Markstrom, I have Hellebuck, who I believe in, and I have Georgiev as my third. I think goaltending, it depends on a format. Like the goaltending is really, really pivotal in that league. So if these guys don't figure it out, I'm gonna be in trouble. But I have confidence. Um, obviously doing the work I do, having the opportunity to work with another great fantasy mind and Pete Jensen over at NHL.com, like I'm gonna I'm gonna get some diamonds in the rough. We'll we'll say that. So uh, it's been it, it was really, really fun to draft, but I always like to exercise patience. Like I'm not that fantasy owner who's dumping my entire roster like the first week, if that makes sense. That sounds good. And one last question here from me, Nick. We're gonna ask us uh to all our guests coming up here. If you could go back and change the outcome of <laughs> any Stanley Cup final, which one would you pick and why? Ooh. I'll tell you Stanley. my answer while you think to give you some time there. I would okay. say the Vegas Golden Knights over Washington because I just yeah. think that would change so many narratives. OV never winning, the expansion draft narratives, how we look at Vegas is cap. So um, hopefully that buys you a couple seconds there. I Yeah, no, it does. Thank you. I appreciate that. Very veteran move. Um, I was at that cup final, by the way. I saw the save. I think it was game two, yeah. right? The save. And that changed everything for Braden Hopi and the Capitals. Mm-hmm. I will answer with uh, Calgary. Was it Marty Jelena who had a goal call back yeah. back in the day against Tampa Bay Lighting? Guys, it's been way too long. At this point, I don't care which Canadian team wins the Stanley Cup with exception of Montreal. I won't lie. I almost blew a gasket when Montreal, they weren't even close. They were in a Stanley Cup final on a technicality. They had a hot run. They were never going to beat Tampa. But I just want to see a Canadian team win the Stanley Cup. So it would have been great all those years ago if Calgary actually prevailed in that cup final. The, The Jay Feaster Derby. I think that's a great answer. That's a great answer and a great way to end it here. Nick, tell, uh, tell everybody where they can find you online. Yep. So you can find me on the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast alongside Pete Jensen. We've introduced a third additional podcast this week, NHL betting related. So it's like Monday, Thursday. We have two episodes on Mondays. Then, as you mentioned and eloquently put off the top, Leafs Morning Take, available every day at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday to Friday on the Nation Network YouTube page. We're we're at Apple, uh, Spotify, Apple, like wherever you get your podcasts as well. And over at theleasenation.com, I'm writing about the Leafs quite a bit, doing a lot of pregames and postgames and opinion pieces. So, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. But as you guys know, there is no time for sleep during the hockey season. That's for sure.
Damn right, damn right. Well, no matter where you go, you'll find Nick online. Nick, thanks again for doing this. I'm sure we'll uh, check back in here throughout the season. Thanks. It's time to get uh, Ty off that PTO and sign him in long term, okay? We'll see. We'll see what we can do. Maybe <laughs> and we a got, two way. And we got to get Bowens to two cats, Nick. Yes. Okay. We'll have a team party. Once Ty signs two cats, drinks there on me go. 9 to 11 because it's 250. There we go. That's <laughs> how you make a bonus go uh, full circle there. Perfect. There you go. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Cheers, man. All right, fellas, we got Mac back here. He uh, made it home from his road trip there, so he's stepping back in the third chair here. We're going to touch on a couple things around the NHL this week, one of which the hot topic online, reverse retro jerseys. They've been covered to death. You guys have all picked your favorites and least favorites, but we haven't, so we're going to. Um, Tyler, I know there's a, a couple that you love, and I know there's a couple you hate. Why don't you tell us uh, uh, your five favorite reverse retro jerseys for 2022? Yeah, I think the best part about this is you ask someone, they're going to have a different five than you. I guess it depends the the age that you are and kind of when you grew up as a hockey fan. So I'll start with mine. Number five, San Jose Sharks. Such a cool Golden Seals type jersey. I'm going with the Sharks at number five. I don't think anyone has this in their top five, but I love the Arizona Coyotes reverse retro that they did. They have like the cactus on the bottom, the desert. I'm a fan, boys. I'm a fan. I'd buy one of those jerseys. Uh, maybe get like Liam O'Brien on the back or something or Boko Obama. Um, number three, the Washington Capitals. That that just brings back so many good memories when Yager was on the team. One of my favorites, Sergey Berezin. I like what the Capitals did. Uh, you love this one or you hate it. I love it. The New York Islanders, the Fish Sticks jersey. Big fan. I'd love an old like Brian McCabe or Chara jersey in one of those reverse retros. And my number one, I'll throw this to you, Mac. Do you even have the Panthers in your top five? They're my favorite one with the palm tree and the stick. I'd love one of these ones. They did crack my top five. Nice. And uh, I agree with you in the Islanders as well. They're also in my top five. So a Sweet. couple couple nice uh, connections there. Uh, number five for me is the Golden Knights. I love the idea of the glow in the dark. How much are we going to see it other than like their intro at the beginning of the game? Probably not much, but it's kind of cool to see the NHL kind of switching things up a little bit with that. Uh, number four for me is the Panthers. Love me some powder blues and it pops with those red and yellow lines for sure. Uh, the Fisherman coming back is number three. Love it. I love how simple it is this time too. It doesn't like pop out as much with the with the waves at the bottom. It's just one single wave or two single waves at the bottom. It's a little nice. Uh, and then the Ducks, classic Mighty Ducks logo. The colors really look good with it in my opinion. Obviously, it's not that classic like teal-y, dark teal and uh, purple color, but I love that those colors for that uh and then just before i do that nick i know we're none of us here are big bruins fans but that bear and the color scheme and the 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 waves or the claws or whatever along the bottom i hope they match the socks is when they posted that picture with marshall the other day with the straight socks it didn't look great but if they match those socks to those jersey lines it's going to be something i think that's a fair one i didn't have the Bruins on mine. I think a, a little picky by me, but I don't love the huge Bruins text across the shoulder. Like it's, it's really big, but um, all time logo, hard to argue that honestly, fellas, we've got some similar ones. Um, Tyler, I really wanted to put the sharks on here, but I keep envisioning it with like the pants and the helmets and I just don't see it as much. 
Um, so they're my honorable or my sixth there. Fifth, I've got the Canucks. Um, this is mostly based off creativity because I think they really changed it up. They went huge with that logo. I love that logo. The thing that irks me about the jersey is having the number here so big. Um, so that was a, a tough one, but I had to include it for the creativity. Love teams trying to switch it up there. Fourth, I got the Penguins. Uh, obviously love the Robo Penguin there. Just a classic logo. Lemieux days there. Hard to mess that jersey up. Really love the way they did it. It's just so simple and clean. The black, yellow, and white there. Uh, I've got the Islanders at three. Like you guys said, super classic logo, super classic design. I also like that they honestly played it a little bit safe and kept out some of the teal this time around. I think it's uh, I think it's going to look great. I uh, might have to buy a Barzell Fisherman jersey there at some point. Two, I've got the Panthers. Also really love it. I think that logo fits the powder blues perfectly. Um, the one thing I'd change on it is at the very bottom, if you notice, they go navy with the stripe. I probably would have made that powder blue just because there's no navy anywhere else on, on the design. Um, and then number one, I've got the capitals as well. Looking at it, I forgot that the Capitals never had a black screaming eagle jersey before. It was always the blues, the whites, they did the red. So uh, I think it's a perfect match there that they did the black with the screaming eagle. Both would have been uh, ideal there. Those two jerseys are iconic. So um, that's my five. I think we uh, had some consensus there, which is a little surprising, but also a good thing. Um, what about the worst, fellas? I mean, Detroit's got awful Chicago's. Mac, you might be offended, but Chicago's was awful to me too. So, uh, Tyler, do you have a, a least favorite out of the bunch? Yeah, it has to be Detroit's. And when we go back to the very first batch of reverse retros that they ever did, I think the two worst were Detroit and Montreal. I think I gave it to Detroit back then, and that's why it sucks giving it to Detroit again. They're such a storied franchise. I think the winged wheel logo is my favorite logo across every NHL team, especially from the original six but they've just missed the mark on both of these reverse retros for Wings fans. Mac, they suck. I would not purchase a Detroit Red Wings reverse retro uh, if you gave me the money or just offered me one. Yeah, like you said, Nick, Chicago, it, it irks me a little bit, but I agree. There's so many cool designs back in the day with Chicago that could have went somewhere, but I'm going to touch on another one for my worst other than those two. Uh, and it's the Calgary Flames. They could have been so good if they had just left that little seam off the bottom of their jersey where their the little uh, diagonal lines go up. There's a little seam that you see, and it looks like two separate jerseys in one. It just doesn't do anything for me after that. Yeah, I think uh, I think both of those are fair. I think we should also give a shout out to the Kraken. Uh, how can you uh, have a retro throwback jersey as a one-year-old? Doesn't make too much sense to me. Uh, mine might be a little bit controversial, but I'm going to go with the St. Louis Blues. It's way too much yellow for me. I don't love the color. The stripes are just weirdly sized and spaced out. The logo's off. Um, so reading up on this one, interestingly, it was one of the proposed jerseys for the inaugural season there, what they were first going to wear. But, fellas, there's a reason it was never chosen. There was a reason it was never implemented. I think that logo is awful. I can't picture Ryan O'Reilly's big, burly beard in this uh, highlighter yellow jersey. Colton Pareko just doesn't make any sense to me. The Blues are my worst for sure. Yeah, nothing really matches up to the old Blues one with the blue and then the red on the bottom. That's going diagonally with the numbers kind of getting cut off on the bottom, like back when who was on well, Gareth Gretzky, I think wore that Jersey yeah. way back when like that Jersey trumps almost all for me. And it's kind of like 
a love it or hate it one as well. But yeah, any blues one now, you're kind of just like, eh, like nothing to me matches yeah. up with what they did with the, the blue and the red way back when. Completely agree. Brett Hull, even Pronger, Warwick Gretzky, like yeah. you said. But I think overall, fellas, we got to give some praise to the NHL. We're always behind on marketing and creativity and hockey. And the fact that they're trying to do this, I think it's awesome. And um, whether we love or hate the jerseys, it's a new thing that's uh, uh, talked about all across media these days. It's been a week basically since these came out and here we still are shooting the shit about it. So I think it's an awesome initiative from the NHL and I uh, hope they continue doing it with uh, future Jersey sponsors here as well. Um, but sliding out of uh, some reverse retro talk into some current day talk, fellas, new segment. We're going to touch on our three stars every week. Each of us is going to pick a star uh, can be from any league could be really whatever you want. I don't care. The rules aren't too picky, but Tyler, who's your star for the past week here? Yeah, let's give some love to Arbor Jackeye. First of all, his nickname, Wi-Fi. We all love it. The fans in Montreal love it. Uh, the first player ever to have an X last name. That's pretty cool. But what a week for him, right? He beats the shit out of Zach Cassian. No one likes Zach Cassian. It was nice to see him ragdoll him a little bit. Uh, if you rewatch some of his fights from the Ontario Hockey League, especially I think when he was in Kitchener, he was beating the crap out of a lot of people. Yeah, he put someone to sleep for sure. Uh, so Arbor Jackeye, you don't want to mess with him. And then on Saturday, he floats in his first NHL goal. The non selly selly was the most boss thing I've ever seen for an undrafted defenseman like Arbor Jackeye. He didn't even care that he scored a goal. They were up a lot on the Coyotes. But, man, the poise that this kid has to step into the NHL, not getting drafted, and his first pro experience being in the National Hockey League playing for the Montreal Canadiens, man, it is awesome to see. Uh, Mac, I hope Arbor Jackeye has a, a really, really good NHL career. I agree. He's fit in well with that team so far. It's obviously a full young team. Another young team that had a big superstar this week, had a big week, actually a big uh, first five games of the season this week or this year is Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, he's completed the five goals in five games, one per game, first defenseman in NHL history to complete that feat, which is pretty impressive with the big names that we've had in the NHL. Uh, and he's helped the team overall just do a four, four and one record. I mean, that's impressive for Buffalo coming into the year. They're a young team, don't have the strongest goaltending or depth in defense, uh, and he's stepped up big time. Yeah, that's a good one. Buffalo's on a bit of a heater. We touched on that with Alberga a little bit earlier in the episode here, too. Uh, my star this week is Adam Fantilli at the University of Michigan. If you haven't seen, this guy's lighting it up. Ungodly numbers for a freshman in the NCAA. He had a hat trick on Friday. He followed it up with a goal and three assists on Saturday for seven points in his last two games. He's now at 15 points and 29 shots in his first six games as a collegiate athlete. Just insane. He's going number two overall this year. Book it. Um, and interesting as well on him. We were at uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame the other day doing some work with him. He's, what, 18 years old, turning 18, and he's already got two items in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So that was neat to see. His gloves are there from his uh, USHL winning season there with the Chicago Steel, and then a picture of him and uh, a couple buddies and his brother there as well. So um, that concludes our three stars of the week, which brings us to the end of the episode with everybody's favorite segment, People Forget. Tyler, you've been kicking us off strong here. How about you tell us your uh, People Forget this week? Yeah, let's go with people forget that Barrett Jackman won the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year in 02-03. Barrett Jackman had 19 points, 
but he was just beating the crap out of everyone, hitting everything that moved. He had 190 PIMS. That's the most PIMS he had in his NHL career. And when you look at the voting from back then, the guy that finished second was Henrik Zetterberg. The guy that finished third was Rick Nash. Um, and 81% of the votes went to Jackman, 74 to Henrik Zetterberg, who obviously we know Zetterberg had an unbelievable career. But uh, who would have thought looking back at that draft class or just that rookie class, Mac, that uh, Barrett Jackman was the rookie of the year? I'm going to jump in there before you, Mac, if that's all right, because again, at the Hockey Hall of Fame the other day, we were standing there with the Calder Trophy. I was talking about it, and we talked about Barrett Jackman. I added him to my People Forget notes. I uh, I narrowed it down to three choices here, sent it to my girlfriend, and told her to pick which one I said, and uh, I guess he beat me to the punch on Barrett Jackman. So I'm going to have to X that off my list. That's a, a great fun fact that people definitely forget. Um, Mac, I hope you can follow that one up. I, I'm going to say I didn't even know that one to begin with. Not even just <laughs> forgot that one. <laughs> uh, but my, mine is something that people forget. Uh, people forget that Gordy Howe played with his sons, Mark and Marty, for seven years. You know, looking back to think, oh, maybe one or two seasons near the end of the career. He played from 45 to 52 with his sons in Hartford. And he had 95 points for in four of those years over the age of 45. Wow. It's insane. That's... Mr. Hockey for sure. That's absurd. Mr. Hockey's a pretty fitting name with that type of uh, stat sheet there for him. Uh, my people forget this week is going to be pretty short and sweet. People forget how sick Mike Richards was. I mean, he was <laughs> dominant in Philadelphia. He ended up getting his ring in L.A. Things obviously didn't end well there. Uh, he had that short stint with the Capitals. But, man, that guy was a force to reckon with. Obviously, like I said, he was shipped out of Philly there, passed the torch on to the next generation. But, if you watch the shift on YouTube or the hit he had on Malkin or just a couple of those moments really stand out, but that guy was one of my favorite players to watch growing up. So my people forget short and sweet, how sick Mike Richards was. Nick, how sick was he at the world juniors? Remember him playing for team Canada? Like that guy just dominated. And we're like, is this guy a future superstar on the NHL? And it just kind of went a little downhill for, for Richards, but I loved him back in the day for Philly. He was, was he the 2003 draft class there as well? I think. Yes, he was. Yeah. And he, yeah, he yeah. was on that uh, studly team. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Probably the best world junior team ever. Definitely the best draft class that we've seen in NHL history. Guy was a stud. Hope he's doing well. Wonder what he's up to. Probably fishing somewhere up north still. Uh, but guys, that's going to do it for episode five of the Hockey Collective show. Check us out on social at Hockey Collective. You're going to see clips this week on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter as well. Uh, we had Nick Alberga on here. Can't thank him enough for being our first guest. And we'll be back here next week to chat more hockey.